0: This is Democracy on the Move. (music) Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, October 16, 2022, I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. In today's podcast, we'll talk with Curtis Vaughn, a former Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. We'll discuss his experiences running within a very crowded field with 20 other candidates and also what's next on his political agenda. But first, a couple of announcements. Hey, you know, I found a great resource online from the League of Women Voters. It's called Vote411.org. Check it out. They have a wealth of nonpartisan information about the candidates and issues that you will see on your ballot this November. Again, that address is Vote411.org. And at the risk of sounding like Captain Obvious, guess what? Money injects corruption into our government. Now, if you're as concerned about it as I am, then check out Move to Amend. Move to Amend is an organization dedicated to passing a constitutional amendment to end corporate rule and the corrupting influence of big money in elections. The amendment states simply, Corporations are not people. You can find Move to Amend online at movetoamend.org. So joining us now is Curtis Vaughn. Curtis did what not many people here have the nerve to do. He threw his hat into the ring and ran for the U.S. Senate competing with 20 other brave folks who put it all on the line and stepped up. Now, in the primaries, Curtis finished at position number eight, which is not bad. I mean, he came in on the heels of some other big names like Mark McCloskey. And you know Mark McCloskey. He's the guy that waved his gun at the Black Lives Matter protesters and tried to leverage his instant fame into becoming a senator. And also the sinking boat of bad news looking for a Senate seat included Eric Greitens, who as governor of Missouri was pressured into resigning amid personal scandal where he was accused of secretly photographing a woman while nude and threatening to release the photos to buy her silence. So against this motley crew of stuffed suits whose ultimate goal is to embarrass Missouri, Curtis Vaughn stepped into the fray and tried to clean up town a bit. Curtis is a graduate of the Ozarks Technical Community College where he earned an associate of arts degree and he went on to become or went on to earn a bachelor of science in geography from Missouri State University. He's a true Midwesterner coming out of the Springfield area, making ends meet by working as a valet and driving for Lyft and Uber and clerking at a liquor store. So Curtis, thanks for joining us at Democracy in the Move and welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I find, you be, I find you to be a very interesting person. So who are you, and uh, why on earth would you want to jump into this <laughs> snake pit of, of the Senate campaign? Well, Dan, uh, first of all, it's not a snake
1: pit. It's uh, a den of hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ask myself the que- this question every day. But, um, you know, looking back, it, it was the right decision. And um, really, leading up to this year, you know, there, you have to look back. Uh, to the years leading up to this to, to really get to that that point. You know, I, I grew up in Springfield, when I, I was born in Springfield, I grew up in Lebanon. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, I've lived on both coasts. And, um, you know, I've lived in Springfield here for over 10 years now. Okay. And in the past couple of years, you know, I I've, I graduated from college, I found my calling. And what I really want is just to to give us all a future and to build everybody up and and take care of people and that's what i really do at the valet stand is i don't really just park cars i mean mm-hmm. as long as i don't crash them right. there's no questions no, <laughs> it's no. it's more so i take care of the community mm-hmm. um and then you know events of the past year and a half or so kind of let up and and then i saw you know the need just like you were saying we had some very bad actors uh, yeah. that needed someone to run against them.
0: So. Yeah, oh, give them some competition. And I, I would point out also, I think I forgot to mention this, that you ran as a Republican, and so th- it was the Republican uh, uh, party that had like uh, 21 people total enter into the uh, enter into the primaries. I think Democrats had close to that number. I think it was like maybe, no, oh, maybe not. Maybe it's 12 or 15. I can't remember what the number was. Quite a it, few it was people. A-
1: Mm-hmm. It was a pretty sizable amount on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, I stepped in supporting small government mm-hmm. and uh, sm- supporting big liberty, but also, you know, that classical ideal of uh, President Lincoln or, or Teddy Roosevelt, of full citizenship for all Americans with small government. And that runs counter to a lot of the message that comes out from mainstream um the mainstream Republican Party right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, anti-immigration is always a, a, a drum that gets banged every time you get you know someone who wants to have authoritarian type of control. I mean, look back in history, this just this happens. You know, they're coming to take our lives, or they're you know, <laughs> everything was great until you know something happened, right? The liberals let in all the uh, all the immigrants, or something like that, and and so it makes a convenient target, right, for people that are looking to get control. But I have to say, I'm very curious about something here. Um, mm. it, it's I don't think it would be a trivial thing to go up to the Republican Party, you know, and and knock on the door and say, <laughs> hey, can I come in and can I run for can I uh, run in the primary? And um, it was an interesting experience. To yeah. Say the least. How did you do that? I mean, how did you sneak into the arena like that? What, what was what, what were the conditions and did they vet you at all or anything like that?
1: Well, I you know, it's opened it. To- pretty much anyone, you um, try to remember because it, it happened pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. There's a $500 filing fee, and you have to file with the Missouri GOP. And then you go over and fill paperwork out with the uh, Missouri Secretary of State's office, and mm-hmm. you're pretty much off to the races. Um, now, the, the big thing here, you know, I jumped in running for all of us with mm-hmm. a different viewpoint. And the Republican Party was not playing ball. They, you know, would not allow me to participate. And the state of Missouri went so far as to not even allow me to disavow them at the point at which, you know, we, we had intimidation, mm-hmm. you know, screamed at, you're not allowed to speak. Um, you mean disavow,
0: so, disavow, you mean as in like just drop out or something like that?
1: No, 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 no. So when I, and I guess we should start as to how, I got into this mess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, um, so I jumped in, not because I agreed with MAGA, not because I agreed with the extreme right, but because I agreed with, you know, the idea of an American dream full of democracy and hope and small government and big liberty and rights for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw that within the Republican Party as something it could be, but also we needed someone to step up and run against very, you know, bad actor, very, very much so bad actors, you know, we have someone that, you know, like Greitens, we have Schmidt, we have Hartzler, all had an 80% chance of winning all the way back in February and March. Yeah. And, you know, there was one morning that we woke up to the Donetsk Theater in Mariupol being bombed. And It was about 700 women and children uh, murdered in the airstrike. I wrote to The Hague. At that time, I was working my two jobs, not thinking of politics. I go into work and at some point in the day, I realized that not only none of them condemned it, but one of them who was on the U.S. Armed Forces Committee and had been in office for, oh, (sighs) at least a decade, maybe Mm -hmm. longer in different capacity she went after an American the same day. And it's just the nerve, uh, not only to not condemn the war crimes, murder, of this situation, but to think you would go after an American the same day instead and Correct. still claim you're a Christian and think that you're somehow qualified for office and then everything else. Yeah. And, um, you yeah. know, we, we were waiting uh, the allegations of Gritens, came out and right. all of the politicians um they towed the line and uh the the candidates the the politicians that are running as candidates um yeah. they pretty much you know they, they there was someone that needed to step up and say greitens you have a doctorate in philosophy from oxford you know you're mm-hmm. a dad um you're a military leader just just tell us the truth and of course no one would do that yeah and then You know, I find out about Eric Schmidt and his involvement with Kevin Strickland. And since then, you know, I've came to know many, many other horrific injustices that have been put in place or kind of reinforced because of Eric Schmidt. But realizing as this is going along that in in the scheme of things, we're at a point, a turning point in Mm -hmm. the American democracy. We these people could cast a deciding vote, this kind of character could be the one casting a deciding vote on our future as a democracy, no one would step up. And I said, this is crazy. Yeah, I may be this person. Yeah. And so I kind of ended up on that journey.
0: That's Now, uh, just to go back quickly, you mentioned Kevin Strickland uh, and, and um, uh, Eric Schmidt. Now, Eric Schmidt is the Missouri Attorney General and uh, from what I understand of Kevin Strickland, he was, uh, was he exonerated of, uh, of his crime or something of that nature, but he still wasn't able to get out of prison? Is, is, that, uh, is that the so story? So from there? my
1: understanding, the Kansas City courts cleared his
0: innocence. Cleared him as being so innocent. He, he was,
1: yeah. So he was found innocent by the Kansas City courts. And, um, you know, Eric Schmidt came in and pretty much fought him to the point, you know, his mother even died. Um, right. You know, so just just thinking of, you know, what is justice, you know, and, and what is the capacity? What, what's the real purpose of the attorney general's office? And if this is what that person is doing with their budget, what are they going to do in U.S. Senate in the U.S. Senate you yeah, know, as, as yeah. the as the deciding vote on the future of our country?
0: Yeah. So yeah. I, from what I understand you know, of, of, of Kevin Strickland, too, you mentioned that his mother died. I think there was a situation there where his mother was uh, was dying, and Kevin Strickland's just waiting for, I, I guess, for the attorney general to, uh, I don't know, sign some paperwork or something, letting him out of prison so he could be with his mother, and that didn't happen. I mean, that that is the Absolutely definition heartless. of cruelty right there. Absolutely yeah. heartless. Yeah. And
1: and just to think, you know, these, these characters have an 80% chance back in February, March, and no one was stepping up and having these conversations, pointing these things out. And so, you know, I said, you know what? I'm not ready for this, uh, but <laughs> yeah. this is America, goddammit, it! And I'm I'm going to step up and run. Yeah.
0: So. Well, that's good. It's a very very patriotic feeling on your part. Now, I have a question also. You know, mm-hmm. with the I, I've I well, let me go back a little bit here because I have to be honest. Uh, earlier this year, I had a phone conversation with this guy named Bob Butler, who's the chair of the local county Democrats where I live. And I inquired about, you know, who they might have running for the very state representative and Senate seats in my area, uh, because nobody was stepping up at that point. And so I put a question out there and asked him personally what I would have to do to run as a Democrat. And, and just for the record, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm an I'm independent. Mm-hmm. But I do associate a lot with the Democratic politicians around the state, mainly because they're the only ones that are willing to talk to me. But— um, Anyways, uh, one of the first things that, that Mr. Butler told me was that I would be expected to raise money for the party, you know. And I have to admit, I, I was sort of shocked that it would be so quick to bring this up because I was expecting the conversation to be like go just the opposite way, like, uh, gee, what can the Democratic Party do to support their candidates? You know, maybe a conversation about you know training me to be a candidate, or maybe some guidance on what I could expect. But no, I mean, money entered the conversation right away, and I started thinking. Um, you know, there was another candidate in my area whose name is Erica Hoffman. She's since moved out of the area, went to went to Colorado, but she ran as a Democrat for a state office position back in 2018. And she said the same thing. She said she was expected to raise money right off the bat for the party, which she did, but she didn't get any training or anything in return. So, I mean, it sounds to me like you, it, it is that sort of the same thing happening on the Republican side as well?
1: You know, Dan, honestly, (laughs) so yes, money drives everything. It's not democracy. It's not a republic. Our voices don't matter. Money Mm -hmm. matters. But I was so poor, and an outsider. I didn't even matter, even as a candidate for US Senate. Mm -hmm. And that's where it begs the question of the First Amendment, and all kinds of democracy reforms. You know, I literally had to come up with money to even buy a seat to be on stage at the debates. And I was willing to show up at every single debate I was notified of. Mm-hmm. We, we had, you know, so, so my experience is not, hey, I have money, I gotta raise money. It's A, I have no idea what I'm doing. B, I gotta build all this on the fly. And C, I gotta somehow, you know, find a way to be on equal footing, even though I have nothing. In a yeah. in a situation where it takes money for anything yeah and may 31st so so speaking of money um and i apologize i am i am super nervous you know in, in these sorts of things mm-hmm. but i had left the house and i think i'd taken the bus uh, downtown to work on something mm-hmm. and i'd had cash on hand but it fell out of my pocket. And so mm-hmm. at that point, I was walking back across town. This is, you know, walking across town, taking the bus, biking is a com was a common experience day to day during my campaign, even mm-hmm. when it was 105 degrees.
0: Wow.
1: I was, yeah. you know, I, I it's a long story. But I made it through. Needless to say, that day was a day in May, and I gave a call to Danette Proctor, the leader of the Green County Republican Party. Mm -hmm. And when I filed uh, March 29th, she was the first one to give me a call. And she reconnected well, I reconnected with her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at that time, she, she said to call her anytime. Well, I did in May. And I was asking her what events were coming up. I had no warning, you know, no notice, nothing. And she said the May 31st U.S. Senate debates. And of course, I know we've talked back and forth, but, you know, I was I I just brought up to her, hey, you know, I don't I know I don't have money for this, but, you know, I have a dissenting view. I have a different view that is still small government. May I please give an offsite rebuttal? And Danette, paused for a second and screamed at me as loud as she could, you know, you were not allowed to speak. And wow. I was I was kind of startled after having walked about three miles. And, um, you know, this wow. person that said that I could call at any point for events and, and think, my God, you know, th- this is this is America, I have a voice. And then all of a sudden, it's like a brick wall, yeah. you know, being screamed at, you're not allowed to speak with an opposing point of view, even off site on public property. And Wow. So that that was a turning point, and I, my response to her, and I maybe I was a little off cuff, but you know this is the United States of America, and I will you know call out any wife beater or bigot I shall you know I, I please.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, anyway, yeah. So of course I didn't qualify for the debates. At that point, she was saying that five candidates were invited to the May thirty first U.S. Senate debate, and. Um, going back to money, you know, <laughs> the media only cares about people who have money or a following or, you know, all of this. Right. And so I had been sending out press invites. And leading up to May thirty first, I know I'd sent color 10 ky three different news outlets, press invites that I'm going to be as close as I can. Uh, and afterwards have an off site rebuttal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I show up. And of course, I took the bus you know the bus was it dropped me off a few blocks down the street i was walking there while right. all these people were coming in with their mercedes and you know I was, I was left on the sidewalk and there was a police officer observing me from a distance for a certain period of time and so i really didn't feel welcome to even go in and as we, as i was on the sidewalk you know i was waiting for friends or anybody to stop by finally someone did and you know we talked for a while but the Mm. no tv no recording was coming out of the debates it was not live streamed you know we had color 10 go in and no live stream no television come out um i know there were a couple um oh newspapers that went in and took interviews um, you mean, the, mean fall, the,
0: the debate itself was not live streamed at all or wasn't there's was no. Correct. Cameras?
1: So I'm oh, I'm cool. out here on the sidewalk and they mm. know I'm out there because I'm I'm tweeting and on social media. But there's no live stream. There's no recording coming out um, mm. of of a U.S. Senate debate that's going to decide the future of our country. And wow. here I am. Turns out it goes from five candidates to six invited and three of them didn't even show. And those three never showed for any debate the entire time.
0: And well, they could was, have put you in there then.
1: They could have. That's the yeah. point. Yeah. And they knew I was there. And I had a dissenting view, you know, common sense reforms. And we need we needed that voice. Yeah. And uh, I I will from from this experience, you know, unfortunately, I've I've learned where I'm needed. And so, you know, I'll keep going and we need someone to step up and be here for a future with democracy, regardless if you have money, regardless if you agree mm-hmm. with the mainstream views at that point.
0: You know, that, that, uh, that story kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, with uh, Ralph Nader went through a very similar experience when he tried to get into the presidential debates. I believe this was back in 2000 and they went so far as to have him escorted off the premises he wasn't even in the debate hall itself there was an overflow hall and he and he tried to get in there and they literally escorted him out and it was taking place on a college campus as well well and and uh, yeah.
1: and, and dan i mean think of it this way we knew who we knew who ralph nader was no one knows who i am if mm-hmm. i would have you know went in and been walked out i would have been like a a tick off an elephant's ass being knocked off, you know, no one would have even cared, even though I'm a candidate, you know, as a candidate for U S Senate. Well, and, and, you know, and all of this leads up to ideas on how to reform all this for the convention, but we, we can get that, get there in a little bit. Sure. Sure. Um,
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you you a couple questions before we get there, though. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say, how did I, you know, leading up to all of this, you know, kind of what happened in the past, you know, year and a half, you know, that kind of led to all of this. mm -hmm. (laughs) For me, you know, I had a one of my best friend came down with cancer. And of course, we went through that. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was there with him, through those six or seven months, and then um, winter of last year, he passed away. Uh And, you know, then we went through some family things. And then by January, I was realizing, my God, you know, we've all gone through COVID, we're not divided, right, you know, and and realizing that, what what is the purpose here, and that that is to step up and take care of each other and be there and give, you know, we've all gone through it. And so that line of thinking, you know, kind of transcended into, you know, as we saw all of this bigotry and violence and injustice kind of step forth right, and no one was stepping up it's like you know what i've i've got to step up and give us a chance for for a future without without this
0: yeah so. yeah well it's good i mean it uh but but unfortunately it, it it sort of feels like you you kind of walked into the into a WWE ring, you know, and and, and you've got. Uh,
1: I I really did, I really yeah. did, but Who's they it? didn't even they didn't even care that it was there. That's the other thing.
0: Well, that, that's you true know? too. Yeah, they didn't even carry you over there. so They just completely ignored you, and the big guys just kept playing their games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, who ran this debate, though? I mean, how could how could the Republican Party exclude people? Were they actually running this debate? So that's
1: what's really curious. And I, I don't have the answers to how they could do this, but it was put together by the Greene County Republican Party, um, a wing called the Target, T-A-R-G-E-T, Target Fundraising mm-hmm. Group. And I don't have the list in front of me, but they had four or five main points about the debate, that it was about family and community, not politics, that it was about, you um, unity, not division, um, and something about friendship, Mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, me being on the sidewalk, does that meet any of those things? (laughs) (laughs) You know, or being screamed at too, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. Well, I still show up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing about democracy. I mean, you got to show up, right. It's not a spectator sport. You have to show up. So just out of curiosity during during the course of your uh, of your campaign, were you able to raise any money? Did they have you raise money and, and if so, did, where did that where did that go to the party or did that go to your campaign itself or what?
1: I think I raised uh, let's see here a couple of my friends helped out for mm-hmm. the $500 filing fee mm-hmm. and then from that point everything was from my uh, very meager income. So we're, we're talking about probably under $1,000 that was raised or spent. Oh, okay. And okay. so, <laughs> you know, I even, I even, we, we, you know, I worked with, excuse me. I worked with one of my friends um, to develop a website and uh, I worked with Darlene Steele. She was kind of my campaign advisor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We kept learning and growing as the weeks went on. Eventually I was able to get a, um, an EIN with the IRS and be able to get a fundraising platform learning all of this. No one was teaching me any of this. Yeah. And finally I was able to get a donation platform going by the middle of July. And weeks later, nobody had donated. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I was like, is this thing working? And Mm. by July, you know, my card stopped working. Uh, it ran out of gas. So, you know, I, it was really low on money. I had to step away from work. So I, you know, even being in that situation, I had to donate, you know, money to see if the thing even worked, you know, if the donation platform throw
0: five bucks in there or something like that, throw five bucks in there.
1: Exactly. And so that I have a completely different experience. You know, I tried to show up whenever I was invited, you know, I, so going back to the Missouri GOP or the GOP in general, Mm -hmm. Knowing all this happened, you know, I had reached out to the Secretary of State's office, asked them to be an independent so I could disavow the party because Mm -hmm. evidently it's so far gone, I can't have a voice. Right. Object to the party, be an independent and have my first amendment right. You know, the state of Missouri multiple times in June refused. At the same time, I was asking the Missouri GOP if there were any debates how would i qualify may i please have an exemption i have a di- different point of view those emails slowly started not being uh, responded to right. and i remember you know reaching out to different leaders around the state within the G- gop and i noticed that my email started getting blocked oh wow and yeah hmm. yeah yeah and then you know, I, I remembered I had received an invite for the July 13th debates in St. Louis. Well, <laughs> as I'm descending into even more and more poverty, mm-hmm. you know, my car's breaking down, and we're in the heat wave, and I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay, I don't qualify for this thing, but I've got to show up. Right. And then it come, Turns out it, it gets canceled, and so Wow. Was that I after take you got off to the St. middle Louis? of the night.
0: It got canceled? No, 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 no.
1: So it it got canceled probably about a week and a half, two weeks in advance. I can't remember exactly, but there's about a three-page list of money and polling and all kinds of things that if you, you know, any average American, if they wanted to run, you know, it's not for us. We can't have a voice on stage. Yeah. And anyway, it was canceled. Mm -hmm. What I ended up doing is I had no money for gas. Mm-hmm. My brakes weren't working. The car died all the time, like the headlights doesn't don't work. Like so, you know, how am I going to get to St. Louis? There is no Greyhound now. I can't afford an Uber, so I decided that I was going to bike to St. Louis. And we were on the cusp of of the heat wave, and it was oh, about. That's not a good time to be biking. Oh yeah. no 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was uh, ten to. Let's see here. Yeah, I, I left out uh, ju- the night of July third and I made it to Stratford, Um, And then I woke up and uh, I made it to Marshfield. And I actually had a chance to be at the July 4th parade. But by the afternoon, you know, I'm, I could have, I could have easily biked to St. Louis, it, it wouldn't have been, um, you know, something that I would have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it was a hundred some degrees every single day. Yeah. And I, you know, any other circumstance, I would have been fine. But I had to say, you know what, we got we to gotta step back and try another way. Yeah. So wow. I got back to Springfield, took a break for a couple of days and then went, I think I picked up a couple shifts, got some money in my pocket, had enough money for gas and uh, <laughs> said another prayer. And. You know, I I headed out to St. Louis uh, for the July 13th debate mm-hmm. and, you know, my car died two and a half, three times, you know, on, on I-44 <sighs> and um, there's no air conditioning. So I had to, you know, I was going shirtless up, you know, 44 trying to get there. And of course, the, uh, the debates were canceled. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then I come to find out that all these email correspondences with the Missouri GOP, Well, not only did they not get back to me, but there was a July 11th debate that was actually put on by the Missouri GOP that was actually canceled. Mm -hmm. So they because of lack of interest or participation, we had about 21 candidates, 20 or 21 candidates. And the only people they keep inviting or welcoming are people who aren't showing up. The people like me who who are going to be there for anything aren't even welcome.
0: So I, I'd like to see I'd like to see you know the guy that won the actual uh, uh, primary Eric Schmidt I'd like to see him bike from from Springfield Missouri to St. Louis. I mean it, it's <laughs> that's like about a 200 mile track right
1: It was it was but you know that that was that was the galling thing is you know I yeah. stepped up for all of us and you know the Republican Party of Missouri if you will took my voice away and the state of Missouri would not allow me to have a voice by leaving them. And so here I was trying to even show up on the outside of a debate. I'm not even welcome to if it were in session, and now it's cancelled. That's not democracy. You know what democracy right. is? It's getting your ass on a bike and you know going 250 miles and showing everyone else they can do. Yeah. That's democracy. That that so, was uh,
0: that was a very interesting track. I mean, that would have I, I, it just. I would think you know you can always like you know, run morning quarterback this thing, but yeah, yep. I would uh, I yep. would get a hold of some some media people and say, watch me, I'm going to I'm going to walk to St. Louis if I have to. I,
1: I did, I did, and no one cared.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow!
1: This is what I'm telling you. This is this is where we're at. It, it's about money, and yeah. if you're you know if you're learning to build this on the fly, it's who who are you? You know, yeah. uh, we we don't care that you're <laughs> going Forrest Gump. You know,
0: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know,
1: um, but, uh, no, it's, it would have been good. It would have been, well, it was a very short, you know, route 66 bike for American democracy, but I got to Marshfield. So,
0: yeah,
1: (laughs) and I met Ned Reynolds, Ned Reynolds was there and we talked for a little bit.
0: Who's Ned Reynolds.
1: He is a a famous sports broadcaster here in Springfield. He's, he's very, very up there in age now, but you know, I was talking, telling him about all this. And I said, you know, you just, you just have to find a way to participate. He said, yeah, you, you really do. You know, when, when they start throwing curve balls, you just, you, you adapt and you overcome.
0: Yeah, so Yeah. You got to have a few tricks when you step in the ring with those WWE guys. Yeah. There's a, actually, that kind of reminds me of a documentary that was called bikes of wrath. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. It's kind I of haven't. off topic here, but it was, uh, it was a bunch of guys from Australia that were, uh, Completely enamored with the book uh, *Grapes of Wrath* from John Steinbeck from back mm. in the 1930s, and they decided, "Hey, why don't we get on our bikes and drive the same route that the Jode family did? You know, when they when they went from uh, Central Oklahoma all the way to California to the to the to the sounds uh, fun San Joaquin Valley." Well, it, and. <laughs> it was fun, but but these guys were completely unprepared for this bike ride. Right? Well, and that, so it was kind I mean, of comical was, in a way because they're going through heat was, waves and everything else. And you know, was just, <laughs> you really felt for them. And the, they finally made it, though they actually made it. But it was you know was, that that was that was a little bit of my experience too. Yeah,
1: and you know, thankfully the police chief of Marshfield, you know, kind of we ran into each other. And he kind of talks some sense into me, you know, don't don't keep biking onto Conway. You're going to die. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: <laughs> it's 105 a... degrees.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the humidity is way up there, too. Yep, I mean, we all yep, baked yep, over the summer over that thing. Yep. Now the cooler weather is finally in here. But it's uh, it was really. And, rough. and so,
1: yeah. you know, if we wouldn't have had this darn constitutional convention on the ballot, you know, that was that was my next step. Yeah, you know, let's, well, let's, let's let talk tra- about
0: that. Let's talk about the yeah. Missouri Constitutional Convention. Uh, just want to plug this real quickly here. Yeah. Last week, we had talked with Dr. Robin Kuhlman, who is uh, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Central Missouri. And we had talked about the possibility of actually having a constitutional convention right here in Missouri. And the only thing that's preventing us from having it is that Missouri voters have to vote for it this uh, on November 8th. And, uh, you know, and just to sort of set the table here, I've had several conversations with several people about this, including my dad, who just turned 88, by the way, and almost across the board, they're all scared of this thing. It, it, it's strange because everybody across the board, I mean, Democrats, Republicans, independents, they all complain about how messed up our current Constitution is because, I mean, after all, it was written in the 1940s. And they say, it's yeah, it's out of date. It's, you know, we need to we need to update this thing. But they fear even more that some sort of radical element is going to get in there and mess up the constitution even more. So, with that with that premise, that background there, um, what is your take on, on having a Missouri Constitution?
1: Well, so ha- in terms of having a Missouri constitutional convention, you know there there are three ways for us to amend the constitution of Missouri. One is by uh, initiative petitions, where you come up with an idea, you get a signature the amount of signatures and you qualify for the ballot much like the marijuana proposal or minimum wage you know uh, surveys show missourians actually support common sense things and rights right that we all you know are, are more divisive because of the politicians but we actually agree on those things yeah the second way is a constitutional convention through the legislature that could be on their own terms at any point in time and of course they haven't called for that they could have at any point
0: the third way
1: the third way you know and and this is what's frustrating is because like you're saying everybody's afraid (laughs) you know i keep telling people hey what are your thoughts on this and and they say well we don't believe in the missouri legislature or we are afraid of the other party or we are afraid of money and what right. you realize is they're not even aware of how it actually works. Yeah. Of of the fact that the third way that's on the ballot this year and not again till 2042 is basically a nonpartisan or bipartisan non-office holder body right. that has nothing to do with Jefferson City. They they can't be Jefferson City office holders, you know. Right. Um and they, the only power they really have is is to, like the initiative petition process, reach out and find what proposals would best be here for Missourians. And they send those proposals back to Missouri voters to approve.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, there, there's, a, there's a tremendous failsafe in that. And I think at the very end of the day, that's what it is. There's, there's two things. One that, one that you hit upon there is that Uh, There are 34 districts, uh, Senate districts, state Senate districts here in Missouri, and each district gets to nominate uh, or each party within each district gets to nominate one person. And the district itself gets to vote in two people. So you're almost guaranteed there's going to be a split there between Republicans and Democrats. And I realize there are other major political parties or they consider uh, major political parties like Constitution and Libertarian and, and the Green Party, I believe. So yeah, I, to your point there, I think it's going to be pretty even there. But but the the uh, fulcrum position I call it is those fifteen extra delegates that are voted in as at large. These these are the people that can be the deciders, for the lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> and the and the thing is, I mean, even if we have the fifteen that are god awful the power still, the true power still lies in the Missouri voters. Yeah, Anything- yeah. I was going to make that de-
0: point, but you did, yeah, you. I forgot about that. You made yeah, that point yeah. for me. Thanks.
1: <laughs> we, we hold the checkmate. So if yeah. there's some crazy stuff or something really horrible that comes out of that, that non-office holder delegate body that is through the spirit of the Missouri constitution supposed to represent the, the voices of all Missourians, if there's something that comes out of there that we don't want, we, we can vote it down. Yeah. The the only way it's approved is is by a majority vote of Missourians. Now, the educational side of it, I mean, people are so knee jerk. And like I said, you know, it, 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 we yeah. have like 24 days to have heart to heart conversations and, and really, truly educate on this process. Right. Now, last week, you know, I, I kind of had a moment and realized it, it's going to be okay. You know, even if we don't pass this thing, and and I kind of I kind of came up with another idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? If if for some reason we cannot convince people, just have heart hearts educate. You know, it is going to take twenty years for another ballot issued constitutional convention in this fashion. However, what I realized is I'm trying to swim against the current here. What if we went with the flow? of things and listened truly listened and understood the concerns you know and the fears uh, the hesitations and we built up a grassroots delegate body or the framework if you will Mm -hmm. for an initiative petition convention which which basically is what the constitutional convention is Mm -hmm. but imagine if all of a sudden we took a couple years and we listened to all of missouri and we had I, you know, we, we, the options are, are limitless as to how we could do this, but something that was respected by the majority of Missourians that was non-binding, all they did was get together and represent all of us and work on, say, you know, 10 to 20, 30, 40 initiative petitions, Missourians had, you know, a decades uh, from now, if you will, system uh, to mm-hmm. try to uh, be part of this and very forward thinking and we could agree on say this amount of initiative petitions and use that as a political mandate work to get all the signatures for all of those and work to fundraise and get those on say the 2024 ballot or the 2026 ballot yeah um the convention itself would parallel that concept but this would be a way to actually step back and even though there are safeguards, step back and have time to listen, yeah, and and yeah. really let the community all over, let communities all over the state take part in this, in a very grassroots way. You know, the convention has those safeguards. It would still probably propose, you know, uh, initiatives to be propo- to be voted on by Missouri voters by 2024, mm-hmm. just like you know, the initiative petition convention uh, that we could somehow put together. But, you know, so so that's what I mean, is, is I realized, yeah. you know, we may have to step back and I, you know, I can't that's,
0: overcome. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good contingency plan, actually. I never even thought about that. There's only well, one wrench. You, uh, go go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say there's only one wrench I could throw into that. And that is yeah. that the current Missouri legislature, Uh, in their infinite wisdom, is trying to make it more difficult to get uh, initiatives uh, passed here in Missouri. Right now, I believe you have to get somewhere around 170,000 people at large across the state to sign this thing, which is doable, barely, but it's doable uh, because people have done it. But now they're going to make further restrictions on getting a higher number of people, and they have to be from within uh, different districts, uh, I think I think they're con- U.S. congressional districts of Missouri, um, they're making it almost impossible, really, at the, or they're going to try. I, I, they haven't done it yet, but they're going to try for that.
1: And this this is a terrifying thought. You know, my, the Missouri legislature, both parties, I really don't think either one of them, you know, wants us to really have an effective democracy. And and this is exactly why we need yeah. to vote yes for this constitutional convention. Yeah. I was at a town hall this week. And it had I think Missouri Senator Beck uh, Missouri Senator Lincoln Huff, and then Betsy Fogle and mm-hmm. so when when proposed the question of the constitutional convention, um, state Senator uh, Beck said that he was scared of the process
0: mm-hmm.
1: Huff said it's a bad idea and we shouldn't do it right now and and Fogle pretty much went along yeah the the answer from the Democrats you know. Um, and the republicans is pretty much the same it's bad we don't have say in this you should vote no it, it's because the parties don't have the control over this it's yeah the exactly. power yeah. the power is in the missouri voters here and surveys show that we actually agree on a hell of a lot more than the politicians lead us on to be we we, we support common sense women's rights common sense gun control common sense democracy justice all of these things And we we have a chance and and we could even, you know, pass this thing. And if we don't, yes, the legislature in Jeff City is going to make it extremely difficult to pass initiative petitions. And if they see we have a grassroots effort to listen to the voice of all Missourians through the initiative petition process, through, you know, organic grassroots effort, I can bet you anything they're going to try to cut that off. Yeah, and it's going to yeah. become extremely difficult.
0: Well, you, n- you uh, name both parties, but also uh, lo- the yeah. um, lobbyists as well, because they they're because um, they can already assail any one of our voted any one of our legislators are, are vulnerable yep. to lobbyists. But now you have this group of people that are ideally uh, regular citizens that um, you know, lobbyists are going to have a heck of a time trying to. Uh, I guess they probably still could put their hooks into some of these people, yeah. but uh, they're they you're could, talking about a whole could. new crew of people coming in that they have to. Well, they have and, to groom and here
1: them. here's the other curveball: mm-hmm. they've got me to deal with, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. it's it's an it's an open and public forum. And damn it, I will sleep in the Capitol building if I have to to keep things in order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's an open and public forum where we can actually have media coverage 24 7 if we needed to Mm -hmm. and we can actually make sure that in some sense we can minimize contact with special interests and lobbying groups and put those some sort of rules in place Um, because we're not only are we looking at the eyes of probably six you know six or seven million missourians but the 330 to 350 million you know americans yeah. probably be glued to the television on this. Well, and yeah, uh, it's it's not you know, a typical
0: I, thing. I mean, this doesn't happen in many states. I believe the last time it happened was Rhode Island back in 1986 ish yeah. time frame. Yeah. And, and, well, and, yeah. yeah.
1: And and I'm not I'm not sure on the exact uh, time either. Um, I know that New Hampshire and Alaska have their conventions up for vote this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything about their constitution or their processes but, yeah. um
0: Well, Hawaii actually had it. They actually passed the voters actually passed mm-hmm. the uh, the initiative the uh, the ballot issue to have a constitutional convention, and then the Hawaiian Supreme Court overwrote it because mm-hmm. they said that uh, there were a number of ballots that didn't cast a vote on it one way or the other. So they said, "Well, you really don't have a majority of voters here that are voting for this thing." <laughs> As if you know, to say, you know, we know what these people wanted so, and you don't, so we're just going to, you know, strike this whole thing down.
1: And and Dan, that really ties into some of the proposals, you know, I've kind of came forth with everything I've gone through, you know, things I've seen, um, you know, I the thing with me is this is all new mm-hmm. and I am going to listen to all Missourians, try to act in our best interest, um, listen to experts, but just like the situation with the hawaii supreme court you know when the missouri secretary of state's office superseded you know my first amendment right to free objection and affiliation to dissent freely have a voice i went to the you know missouri supreme court i called them Uh, i met some clerks down here in springfield they told me the process i spoke with the clerk at the missouri supreme court and they said Missourians cannot petition the Missouri Supreme Court if there's a grievance, there would be a conflict of interest. Hmm. And so, you know, all of these things bring to fruition ideas of, of what we need to truly find justice and democracy in our state and have it be more fair and of the people and have our voices matter. Yeah. Um, I do have a few proposals in mind.
0: I was just going to ask you about that, because uh, you brought up Alaska before, and the one I'm most excited about is that Alaska's recent election, where they have basically open primaries, which, by the way, Missouri just closed it down. A lot of people talk about this HB 1878, which is a bill uh, that's supposed to uh, fortify voting uh, ID. A lot of people don't talk about this aspect of that same bill, which basically closed down our primaries. So now... In order to vote in a primary, you have to several weeks before the primary. You have to register uh, as one as, as under a party, and then when you go in to vote in the primary, you only get the ballot that pertains to that party. So, Missouri used to have a semi-open primary where you could just walk in and say what what ballot you want, but now it's completely closed, which is just the opposite direction of, of democracy. Um, well, and and
1: you know, think think of it this way. You know, look at the First Amendment. Does that align with our ability to freely express our thoughts and our, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely uh, not. Fr- yeah. I mean, no. it, it, and, it, and it's, if all the. Go ahead. It,
1: I was sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, if all of a sudden you realize you don't affiliate with that, you know, party, that thought anymore, are you allowed to even move away from it on the ballot? Yeah. You know, and, and how do we. How do we allow ourselves to truly have dissent or is it the parties telling us is it the state telling us how we can dissent where we can dissent and and, you know in that fashion yeah and what i also found not only was you know my voice taken away during the summer but we have a weird um weird law after the primary to where uh, in addition to being forced to now affiliate with party, I guess on the mm-hmm. ballot, the people of Missouri don't have the right to write in whomever they wish. So if all of a sudden they realize there's someone there, <laughs> mm, <okay. laughs> yeah, we, we are we have to follow that. So
0: that's really you know, weird. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it is.
1: It is. That's... It's a, it's a sorry loser law. So yeah. if all of a sudden you realize there's someone that you know was a better candidate all along, you're, you're not allowed to write them in.
0: And the reason why I say that's weird is because if you look at the ballot history across the U.S., I mean, from, from the beginning all the way till now, um, pre-printed ballots was just done as a convenience. Uh, people would always write in, you know, the very first uh, few decades of our history, people would always write in the names and ballots became printed by, uh, by the parties as a convenience for people, just, you know, drop the ballot in the box. You don't have to write anything in. And then the government sort of took it over. And now it's becoming even more restrictive. Uh, it brings
1: up all kinds of questions. Yeah. We, does our voice even matter? Yeah, Does our independent yeah. thought even matter? And to what extent does it matter? And this brings me to ideas. And I know we're pushing an hour here. I like to talk. I'm, I'm sorry.
0: No, me, <laughs> you, you got me going too, man. <laughs> Go for another two hours. <laughs>
1: And this this isn't even me getting going about Greitens and my experience with him. That that's probably a second podcast. Um, Let's do it. Think, yeah. Thinking of all of this, you know, I want to be. If we pass this thing in 24 days, hold your breath, everybody. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. But if we do, I'm going to run as a delegate, probably as a nonpartisan delegate, unaffiliated. One of the fifteen, and if I make it there, and even if not, I will be a fly on the wall in in the chamber, mm-hmm. and I will somehow help us propose four, five, six different things. Oh. The first thing, um, obviously, from my journey to St. Louis, you you know, <laughs> you kind of know from from right there. Do should we have requirements of fees or you know, tens of thousands of dollars to buy a seat to even be on stage yeah. should private entities, you know, control. The ability for the American people to have a conversation with candidates should candidates be able to choose that they're just not going to show up to work to be a public servant that they Yeah. so yeah. what my first proposal is is free required free and fair public town halls. And debates a couple Mm -hmm. during the primary a couple during the general election and what i would like to do is you know let's 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 create a hall for democracy in independence missouri and let's you know have any statewide races or races of national importance have that held in the hometown of president truman and you know he had nothing when he came out of the presidency And it's like it doesn't matter if you have money if you want to serve step up and and so what this allows it allows Missourians to truly. Choose based on merit your character your message, who you are, what kind of future you want and what ability, you have to give that to us. Not on the money it takes to buy that stage, not of corruption party control special interests. You know, and it keeps the parties from having an ability to censor candidates. They no. can still agree on their message, but candidates would still have the ability to dissent, to object, to give her a different point of view. I mean, just yeah. imagine, well, <laughs> yeah. we, we did have an extremist authoritarian uh, gentleman who was calling for politicide this year. but uh, Who could they, that be? <laughs> <laughs> that is the second podcast yeah. so um well uh, but thankfully go ahead
0: i was gonna say i i, I get i get your point there I, I really like that i i totally believe in it because now the you know political parties are really private industries uh there's a book written by Catherine gale and michael porter called the politics industry where they talk about uh these these uh political parties uh, they tend to grab more power than they really are guaranteed under the Constitution. In like fact, they aren't they aren't even mentioned in the Constitution, but they're grabbing the power anyways. But I would like to move on because we have just a few more minutes we left. Just, yep, 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 yep. Um, so the second
1: uh, is ranked choice voting. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Yep, ranked choice yep, voting, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, ranked choice voting. Um, the third is basically a, excuse me, what I would like to do is propose that we have a civil rights, constitutional rights attorney's office, which you think the attorney general would be, but it's doesn't appear to be so, that would have the same budget as the attorney general's office and be able to act in capacity to check. So that ability for exploring checks and balances, extra checks and balances of the governor, of various uh, state agencies, of the attorney general's office, and advocate for the people of Missouri. And, um, you know, and and then another one, um, you know, so this is something that's came up. How do we propose to Missourians a fair and impartial judiciary committee to review, um, you know, a lot of different injustices around the state Mm -hmm. and ask of Missourians, what would you consent in the way of justice for this? You know, and so the last one would be obviously reform the courts, allow missourians to have the ability to uh petition the ca- the supreme court of missouri or any court um and i would almost say at the same time let's make you know uh defense and prosecution have the same budget across the state and um wow level the playing yeah. field so so very be, yeah. basic things democracy and justice um and of course those things are going to be, there's going to be things added to that Yeah, you know, if we pass this, but well, you get a bunch of, hold your breath.
0: Uh, get a bunch of delegates together. You're going to get a lot of good ideas out there. So we, we are, be, we yeah. are,
1: we are, but we, we have to sit down and have conversations with everybody we know, our friends, our family, our people at the synagogues, churches, mosques, grandmas, right. grandpas, you know, sons, daughters, everybody, and have that heart to heart conversation and let them know. This is supposed to reflect the voice of all Missourians, not the legislature. The legislature has nothing to do with this.
0: Right.
1: It is a, you know, in theory, it's a bipartisan, non-office holder, delegate body that is in our interests and we only get this once every 20 years, or we're gonna wait. And, you know, that is why I'm so stressed. You know, I went from being a candidate to finding out about this and still not having money.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and and, you know, not being prepared and and just Keep well, it
0: on. you know, they say uh, um, that experience is something that you get right after you need it. So um, that's what you're getting right now. You're getting the experience, and that makes you a better person. I've, I've met several candidates out there uh, that uh, are doing this for the first time, um, and they're learning as they go. Uh, some people, fortunately, like, like Jess Piper, who's running up in the northwest corner of the state, for a state uh, um, representative position. She's been at this for well over a year now. So she's really honed her skills and, and learned a lot. So she's able to apply it in the same election cycle, but uh, it, it's a learning process. It takes a long it, time.
1: It is, it is. And you know, that brings up another, I'm, I'm full of ideas. <laughs> a conversation I've been having at Missouri State University is we have a public affairs mission to democratize society. Well, we've kind of lapsed on that. But, you know, what if we so it was kind of the, the conversation started with how do we develop, you know, citizen leaders, how do we build up democracy, you know, what if we created a center for um, healthy servant leadership and healthy democracy. And what that would do is allow everyone to find their voice and their, their passion, their, their views, but to learn what avenues there are to step up and take care of the community, whether it be volunteering starting a business, helping someone who needs help, or even running for office, and, and having the capacity and tools to be able to, to curb this and say, you know what, if you have tens of millions of dollars, or if you're the most impoverished person living under a bridge, the center is gonna give you the tools to have an equal standing, the trainings, the certificates, the mentors, the readings, mm-hmm. all of it, if you wanna run a campaign, you yeah. know, it'll, it'll teach you everything you want to know. And, you know, from that idea, not only here in Springfield, a center for servant leadership and democracy, but imagine if all of a sudden in the convention, we took a look back and we took a breath and we said, you know what, we want to help Missouri heal, but we want to help the country heal. Yeah. And through that, we're going to designate, you know, different focuses at different public universities around the state to have a different piece. You know, um, mm-hmm. I can't even think of, of what university is near independence. But imagine something that would, you know, an institution that would be working with Independence, Missouri, to have that that hall of democracy, if you will. Yeah. You know, Missouri State University building up leaders. We, we could invest more in the journalism and law programs at Mizzou. Um, we, we could truly try to build up healing and respect from Missouri show the entire country democracy if this convention goes that's but good. yeah I, like I you know that. I've i've I, I'm not holding my breath and you know yeah. like I said I, I kind of had a backup idea the other day but
0: uh, yeah that's I saw... that that's an interesting backup idea I never thought about that it's it's a little bit harder of a of a of a Um, of a path. I think it's a
1: longer road,
0: but nothing in life
1: is nothing in life is easy. And the biggest thing here, you know, I've learned is democracy is like a flame. You know, we we have to candle it within ourselves. And if we want it, we have to step up, we have to sacrifice and it's going to hurt and it's going to take time. But if we want it, we have to keep it going and make that choice ourselves and help each other find it in
0: one another. Well put. I like that. Anyway, and uh, also bike riding from Springfield to St. Louis helps <laughs> too. So um, that was, well,
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and I, I do, you know, I want to step away from all this. Mm-hmm. I want to go on a bike trip across the country with a camera and just, just document, you know, Hey, oh, what nuggets yeah. of wisdom can we do to, to grow for democracy and justice? But unfortunately we still have a chance at passing this thing. It's 24 days out and then who knows after that. Yeah. So,
0: well, again, I would take a look at that uh, documentary, Bikes of Wrath, and take a look oh, at that and see what those guys did. They were they were crazy Australians, but they got <laughs> through it. You know, it was really it was really an amazing yeah. thing to watch because they actually met a lot of people in their in their uh, in their trek, a lot of good people. And it was a good cross section of the United States. It you warms know, your heart to watch something like that, actually.
1: And and through all of this, I found that the people that are most caring and most open. Are the people of the small towns? My yeah. hometown. I mean, I, I had went to prides all over the state during June, and I, you know, I went up to people and told them what I was up to, and they would just sit there and tell me good luck, you know, just kind of yeah. sarcastically, yeah. you know, talking down and walking away. I show up to my hometown, and everything we had went through there, and I mean, I was able. They gave me a chance to to give a small speech. And we had about 200 people, you know, uh, at one point I was, I was crying because everything we went through there, but mm-hmm. I mean, the crowd just, I mean, they roared, they understood it. They they yeah. knew what they had gone through, you know, and, and as a small town, they loved the fact that someone was willing to listen. It, it's just our small towns, you know, it's, it's not these big cities. It's these small yeah. towns around the state that, that really give us heart and and, and culture about who we are that's
0: why they call it the heartland you know it goes along with a personal observation of mine that those who have the most give the least and generally the other the opposite is true too That those who have the least give the most and that's just really kind of the story of america and it's really kind of the story of humanity in a sense but it especially rings true in america i think Anyways, uh, just real quickly before we go, I'd like to give a shout out again, which I did last week as well. A shout out to the website SayYesToDemocracy.org. It's all one word: Say Yes to Democracy. SayYesToDemocracy.org. Uh, they advocate for a state constitutional convention and are trying to get people to say yes on that ballot question. Um, well, so that's anything else? I'm gonna give an outro. I was just gonna here.
1: say thank you. I appreciate this greatly and. Uh, Sure. Anyone in the state of Missouri, if you ever need someone to step up for for democracy, I'm here. Don't make me get my
0: bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) But if necessary, you'll get on that bike. (laughs) I will. I will. Uh, We've been talking with Curtis Vaughn, prior candidate for U.S. Senate from the beautiful state of Missouri. Curtis, uh, thank you very much for joining us here on Democracy on the Move.
1: Thank you, Dan. Be well. Have a good weekend, everyone.
0: You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org slash contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Ray Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.